Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and thank you for joining me for episode two of Grow With Soul. I have a really thoughtful interview to share with you today. Melanie Barnes, perhaps better known online as Geoffrey and Grace, is a blogger living by the sea in the south of England and writes about slow, wholehearted and creative living. In this episode, we talk about how Melanie balances slow living with the fast world of blogging and social media. We also get into our thoughts about the hustle and money and practical things you can do to tune into your body and intuition more. Through my conversation with Melanie, I realised some things about my own priorities, so I really hope that you find this episode as enlightening and thought-provoking as I did. So, let's get into it. Hi Melanie, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, lovely to be here, thanks for having me. No, it's great, and it's a kind of pinch-myself moment, because when I was very first setting up my blog, yours was definitely one of the ones that I looked up to and was like, oh, if only I could get to be like that. Oh, that's really <laughs> lovely to know. Thank you. Yeah, so it's it's really nice to talk to you. Thank you. That's and making me blush a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening are the same because they will have seen like gorgeous images on Instagram and things and the way that you write is so lovely. So I'm sure this is going to be a really inspiring chat for people. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So for anybody who hasn't seen you on Instagram or doesn't know what you do, can you talk a little bit about you and your background and the inspiration behind Jeffrey and Grace? I started Jeffrey and Grace a little while ago now when my daughter was small and um, initially it wasn't a slow living blog, but that's what I talk about now. So yeah, my focus now is on slow living and wholehearted living and well-being really because I was a yoga teacher before having my daughter And way back before that, I was a dancer. I did my degree in dance. I've always been really interested in the human body and how it moves and feeling connected to the body, I guess. Yeah. I love that because I'm very much somebody who's not connected to the body at all. I'm like, shut up, body. So that's so nice. And, And so, yeah, as you said, you kind of started writing about slow living and stuff now. So when did it Or have you ever felt like it's kind of really taken off for you, the blog? Well, I guess I sort of rebranded it about two years ago. I had kind of a six-month period of going, oh, I'm not quite happy with the direction that it's heading in. And I felt like I was was basically doing too much. I had a beach hut makery and I was selling clothes that I had been making from sort of thrifted fabric. And I'd been headed in that direction. But a couple of things happened and I was like, that's actually not where I want my focus to be. That's not the things that I'm enjoying. I was enjoying writing a lot more than I was making anything and really enjoying photographing things. So, yeah, it just made me have a big think about where my focus wanted to be. So I spent quite a big chunk of time really thinking about what it was I wanted to be connecting to people about what what my message was, I guess. And I yeah, took some time out to really think about that and then sort of rebranded the blog based around those thoughts. 
That must have been quite a difficult kind of crossroads because they are two very different business models to be choosing between. Yeah, I mean, and I've got no marketing background really <laughs> at all either. So I had to do, I did quite a lot of reading and referred to some books that were really helpful um, with how to, yeah, just to go about that really. I wanted it to be super clear what it was that I was trying to communicate to people. I'm really getting in touch with your why, I guess, and your purpose and, yeah. and yeah, f- focusing on the message and the best way to communicate that. I think that that's really interesting because so many people start with what they want to do and kind of end up going down the path and get a year or two along it and then be like, well, what? I don't even really want to do this. And it's that lack of purpose, I think, that drives that. Yeah, no, it was it was a real big time for me to to deeply think about that, and and then also how I convey that to to people, mm. and because it's all right for you to know it, but if it's not coming across clearly, that's um that's no good, right? Yeah. So, do you think you have you always felt naturally like a writer and like a photographer, and that's you felt quite strongly about that's how you wanted to communicate it, or was that something that you kind of really had to work at? Um, I haven't always felt like a writer, but I have always really enjoyed writing. Mm. And I guess it's it comes quite instinctively to me, um, but it's tricky as well, isn't it? Because you you read a lot of stuff online about how to write for SEO and getting <laughs> yeah. getting certain words in there, but that that's really counterintuitive to me. But equally, if you want people to find your blog, that's a tricky balance to navigate as well. But yes, there was definitely I, I definitely wanted to focus on those things, and the making became. It, I, I was enjoying it, but I knew it was never going to be something that I wanted to make money from or spend a lot of time doing. I was happy to make pieces for my daughter, but it wasn't something that I wanted to upscale in that way. That's, that's good that you came to that decision, even if it was a difficult one. And I think, yeah, and the reason I asked the question about whether that kind of came naturally to you, the writing stuff, because you were a yoga teacher and obviously that's a very different kind of teaching it's very physical showing and stuff like that and there's there's some talking in there but it's a very different way of communicating your message than it is like through the blog where you're physically distant from people and working out ways to get it across without really showing if that's something that you're used to yeah I really enjoy writing about well-being and that side of it though that and that does come quite naturally Mm. to me and the more I do that the more I realize that's something I want to do um and and it's it's one of those things when you do something so naturally you kind of assume everybody does it and it was only quite recently that a friend pointed out to me that um she thought it was really good that I make a lot of decisions based on how it's going to affect my well-being and I hadn't really kind of consciously realised I did that as just how how I am. <laughs> yeah, that is so key. And so many people I talk to have that and they think, well, what's special about this? And I'm like, that's the most amazing thing I've ever had. Um, and particularly people who are who are makers, actually, and potters and painters and stuff like that. They say, oh, this was just this little thing that I did. It's like, well, that's such an interesting part of the process that me, as somebody on the outside, with no real idea about what goes into it, that's such a fascinating little story. And it's so impossible to be objective about ourselves and about our own businesses that we just can't see what's interesting to people about us. And I think having conversations like you did with your friend and like I have with my friend, 
It's like, oh, that would yeah, resonate. It helps, <laughs> it helps you get perspective, doesn't mm. it? It is when you're in the middle of something, it is really hard to see the wood from the trees. Is yeah. that the saying? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm all about woods and trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you kind of made that decision to, to go full attention on the blog and moving into that, what kind of steps did you take to really get that message out there and grow your audience and kind of get Jeffrey and Grace to where it is now? especially not having a marketing background. Yeah, so so yeah, so yeah, I took a long time um, thinking about like my logo and those kinds of things mm-hmm. and how that would communicate what I was about. And then um, I thought about ways that I could grow my audience. I did a lovely hashtag project on Instagram with Danielle from Hippie in Disguise. I don't know if you know her. She's, um, she lives in Canada. And um, it was a slow living hashtag project and we changed the theme every month. And that was a really lovely project to do because it seemed to really resonate with people and they were um, shared lovely little moments of their days. And, you know, we'd, we'd then share the favourites on our blog. And um, it was a, that was a really nice way to grow some community. But I think with anything growing communities sort of organically and authentically, it just, it takes time. It mm-hmm. takes, you have to have a real passion for what you're doing it's not going to come overnight and you have to just do it I guess and I think you were kind of growing in a pre-algorithm time as well so it's less about kind of the sort of outreachy stuff that I've been talking to other people about like trying to get on other people's channels and actually it was I guess a lot easier to be more of a magnet then with things like the hashtag project and yeah yeah I don't think that sort of project would work in the same Mm. way on Instagram now it's a very different platform than it was a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to think differently. Um, and there wasn't stories then, which is a great way to get your message across now, oh, I guess. Yeah. So good. And I, I was thinking about this time last year, like the idea that I wouldn't post on Instagram every day was just like I'd rather shave my hair off than not post on Instagram every day but now I the idea of posting every day seems really mental and I think that stories has bridged that gap where you're yeah. you're able to be present without having to be on the grid the whole time and the work that goes into that yeah I mean I don't I haven't I don't think I've ever posted every day I think the most I post is sort of three times a week but I am probably on stories most days because it's only up there for 24 hours so there's more sense of freedom with it and people are so created with their feeds now they want that beautiful gallery that that obviously takes time and work and so so instagram is really probably more your platform would you say or or, because i know you're on pinterest quite a lot as well aren't you actually yes yes so pinterest is something i sort of got my head around after instagram um, and I do do really love it. I have lapsed using it recently <laughs> just because you can't do everything. But um, but I do really love it as a platform. And it, again, it's it's a visual platform, isn't it? So it's and that and, and I, Pinterest was something I used when I was doing all my branding work. I had private boards and I would pin images to it to help me sort of work out how what I wanted my aesthetic to be like. So I think Pinterest is great if you're starting out. Uh, if you can look at images and think, what is it about this image that I'm attracted to what is it that I really love in this image that helps you narrow down your kind of visual voice I guess yeah and that's so interesting that you really started with that branding and getting the visuals right because I think that really does set an intention about where you want 
this this thing to go. It's not just, oh, I want to stick some writing up on the internet. It's really intentional about wanting it to be a real brand and be really meaningful and whole to people and that that was an important thing for you to communicate your message. Yeah. There's a, there's a real argument between just get, like, the minimum thing that you need to get up and out and done, but then also taking the time to make it the thing you want it to be first I, I'm, I'm myself I'm not quite sure where the balance sits between those two because you could spend three years making the perfect brand and it's um, you can fool the other side can't you because you can be too much of a perfectionist and mm. wait and wait and never put it out so there is a point where you just have to go it's good enough and I'm getting better at knowing when that is but naturally I am quite I do take my time with things I'm not one of these people that jump into things quickly I think it's because I can be an anxious person if I take my time with something I can get my head around it a little bit more it makes me feel a bit more comfortable when I am doing something because you know when you're putting things out there it's it's a bit scary Mm. yeah I think I naturally do take my time with things more than some other people would and I and I debate whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's who I am so there's not much way around it I think you've got to do it in the way that makes you feel comfortable because if you were going to be like right I'm just going to get it out there like you never actually would because that's not the way that you're wired and even if you were like right I'm just going to write a blog post and get it up and I'm not going to even edit it you wouldn't promote that blog post because it, it wouldn't feel right to you so I do think I'm a great believer in following your intuition when it, yeah in the terms of your business because there's so many you must do this you must do that out there and all of them contradict each other yeah you've got to work out what feels good for you yeah. haven't you and not try to kind of square peg round hole yourself into somebody else's formula because I, I speak to a lot of people who do that and they're like but but I did this course and it said I must do that but it makes we come out in hives the idea of doing it I'm like well don't do it like this it's obviously not going to work for you you're not going to be able to do it wholeheartedly and the most important thing is that you can really show up as your best self for people yeah and if you're doing things because you think you should be doing them then you you're never going to be that person no you would be well I mean maybe you'd be able to do it for a little bit but eventually you can't kind of you can't maintain that can you yeah so well that brings us on a little bit actually and I really wanted to pick your brain around this about that kind of rhetoric and mentality about in inverted commas hustle uh, that's out there because yeah I I have my feelings about it but I'm really interested to hear your feelings about it oh it's yes I think I feel like I could talk about it for <laughs> a long time um I think in the beginning when you're starting out, it is such a descriptive word, right? It really does feel like you have to hustle sometimes. Mm. You have to use your initiative. You have to make things happen. You can't wait for stuff to come to you sometimes. So so I get where the word has come from and why people use it. But I think there are kind of two big buts with using the word. Sometimes people use it and it's a sort of all or nothing kind of thing. And I think you can feel that you have to hustle a little bit with your work, but still take time out and still find balance. It doesn't have to be all or nothing mm. the other thing is um uh, I think we have to be really careful about sort of glorifying it as well because it's great if you've got a passion and you want to work really hard and communicate that to somebody but it's also okay if you don't okay. um have you read the gifts of imperfection by I haven't no. uh, okay so it made me think of a quote that um 
something that she said in the book. Can I can I read it? I've actually yeah, yeah, do it. So um, we seem to measure the value of people's contributions and sometimes their entire lives by their level of public recognition. In other words, worth is measured by fame and fortune. Our culture is quick to dismiss quiet, ordinary, hardworking men and women. In many instances, we equate ordinary with boring or even more dangerous. Ordinary has become synonymous with meaningless. Just really love that quote. And when, yeah, when you said you wanted to talk about hustle, it just it made me made me think about that I think um it's really important that people can be content with what they have and I think the word hustle can kind of make you feel like you're you're always striving for something else something better and then when is enough ever enough yeah oh I love that I've got so many thoughts and especially around that kind of idea of like glory and glorification and it's something that I've been talking to one of my friends recently and this really taps into like the content that people consume especially around business and about marketing and stuff because a lot of it makes people feel like crap because a lot of it and fair enough is aimed at people who want to be making six seven figures and they want to grow teams and they want to be on tv and they want all of that and when you're kind of reading it you're like this doesn't feel right but this I obviously should be wanting this people feel like they should want it and I've fallen into that trap of like listening to a podcast or whatever and being like, oh, I kind of, this isn't feeling right, but am I wrong to not want this? Yeah, I think it's okay to just be happy with what, you know, we all want to be content with what we have, don't we? Like, I think being content with things is a real life skill and that's sort of where happiness comes from. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I can see why those podcasts are out there and people go, oh, yeah, six-figure salary, but that's not hugely helpful to somebody like me. Yeah. I don't necessarily want those ambitious and ambitions and goals. I want to earn a living for what I do, but it <laughs> doesn't have to be yeah. that extreme. And the other thing she says is something... Um, yeah, that's um, falling into the trap that thinking something has to be big and extraordinary to bring us joy. I really like that as well. Yeah, I think that, that's so so releasing as well that you just kind of think, well, no, I don't want that. And something that I think when I'm trying to set goals or motivate myself is not a number, but just thinking what I want my life to actually be like. Yeah. And that is always so different from what a monetary goal would be. Yeah, because it's always about space and time, and that's something that I'm really learning about myself is actually, in for what it would cost to make an extra ten grand, the cost of my space and time is too much, and just to really think about what I want my life to be like, and leaning into that, and kind of blocking out that other stuff that's saying, oh, seven figure businesses, and being like, no, I don't want, I, the cost is too high for me for that, I don't. That's not what I want. I've been really and sitting with that and getting the blinkers on and really focusing on what it is I want and visualizing that and manifesting that. Yeah. And I again I think you're right with the all or nothing. And I remember when I was very first starting my business I, and listening to all the hustle stuff, and I was like, Am I hustling? Is this hustle? Should I? Is this how do you hustle? Um, and I think letting go of that word. And again, it all comes back to how we should be doing it and thinking that success should be hard, whereas actually, no. <laughs> well, success the, is such a funny word as well. Yeah. I mean, it means different things to different people. Exactly. It's often a move, a goal that we move for yeah. ourselves so you never kind of get to your top of the mountain moment. Um, and I, th- I think that's quite a dangerous way to be as well. Yeah. 
Well, and, and my view of success isn't that I'm having a horrible life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get to something. My view of success is that, again, I have that space and time and that I feel happy and peaceful. Getting there shouldn't be hard as well. The, the journey to your own vision of success should be setting you up for that. There's no point killing yourself to get there. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, well, what do I do now? Yeah. I mean, it's tricky with money as well, isn't it? Because it's something that people don't always want to talk about. And obviously we need money, but what's enough money again for one person is not enough for mm. others. And we're all in different situations. So it's a it's a tricky topic to talk about. Um, and I, I feel like uh, my relationship with money has changed quite a bit over the last couple of years. I think for a while I, I felt like money was a bad thing, a ne- mm-hmm. negative thing. But of course, it's, I think if you've, if you've, if you've possibly done like an artsy degree, <laughs> you, you have that kind of mindset because often to make money, you sort of have to sell out a little bit. <laughs> but obviously, that's, that doesn't have to be the case. So yeah, I'm still figuring out that kind of stuff yeah and it is and especially in kind of what I do I have felt a lot of guilt around money and asking for money and I'm reading the book you are a badass at making money and in there she talks about the fact that money is neutral and it's it's like water and we don't apply the same feelings and things to to money like we do to water and that actually money is like a a thing that moves and it just comes to you through other people. So you're not taking money from someone, it's coming to you through them. And I found that a very useful mindset in terms of getting around it, but also just not having that as the end goal. And again, going back to that why and the message and why you're doing the work you're doing in the world. Because I talk to people and say, well, why do you do this? They're like, well, because I want to make money. I was like, well, if you want to make money, you just go and work in a call centre. So why are you choosing to do this to make to make money? And it's not the not having it as the be all and end all and thinking about that life that you want to have and then the money that you need to have that life. Yeah. Rather than it being the end goal. Yeah, the way around. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds like a good book. I should, yeah, I should read yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. It, it kind of verges on woo. Um, right. But, but I'm all right with a little bit of woo. No, um, I think my, <laughs> my tolerance level's quite low as well. So yeah. it's for me. Um, and yeah, so she talks about it kind of opening things up to the universe and like really leaving space for the things that you want. and Money being an energy, possibly. Yeah. Did she use that phrase? Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of money as energy. But you don't realise just how bogged down you are about money with things. Yeah. And, and it's bound to make a, a, an impact on the choices we make, right? All those mm. thoughts and uh, feelings that we have, it's going to affect. I mean, I have a bit of a thing about selling um because I'm doing the process of writing an online course that will be available after the summer and I, I've had a, it's taking me a while to do and it, one of it is because I have a big block that I will have to eventually sell this yeah. course to people and that fills me with a lot of fear but I've shifted my thinking of that I'm creating this really lovely thing with lots of useful skills that I think will be a great asset to somebody and can make a massive impact on their mm. lives so it's not Again, selling can sort of be a dirty word and it doesn't yeah. doesn't have to be. It's about sort of creating this wonderful thing that I want to share mm-hmm. with others and in exchange for that, they have to pay money. Yeah, I've got a theory about selling that we all hate the idea of selling because we equate selling with the times that we've been sold to badly. 
Because uh-huh. when we've been sold too well, we don't realise we've been sold too because we were just going along with it and we were so happy. And think about the last thing that you bought. You were sold to in that moment, but you probably didn't feel what you think of as being sold to. But when we feel like somebody's approached us and they're giving us all the reasons why we should buy something and that kind of horrible feeling, that's when we notice we're being sold to. And so that's what we equate it with. And actually what you're saying about really focusing on the value that it brings to people and really shifting your mindset about actually and, and making it not about you. Like, I feel like you about selling. Actually, no, it's, it shouldn't be anything to do with you because you have a responsibility to your people to give them this thing that they want and they are... That will help them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of thinking about actually just kind of how nothing is about you and it's always about the other person and as human beings we approach things thinking about ourselves and kind of what we need to do as business owners and particularly personal brands is kind of be the thing that our people need to want to see themselves as and I think that's something that you've definitely got through your aesthetic and through your writing is that people can put themselves in that life they can kind of replace you with them and that's where the value actually lives and so kind of really taking yourself out of the equation and just making it all about them is how I how I love to sell yeah I mean I'd have no problem selling something for somebody else if I was like wow this is great I could (laughs) I think it's when you've put your heart and soul into something there's always those self-doubt feelings and that fear that what if what if nobody likes it Mm. if there's that kind of you have to get over that right you have to do that yeah, in that book, actually, she talks about, I can't remember which part of the brain it is, but she calls it the little prince. But it, it's desperately trying to keep you safe by keeping you small. And it's learning to feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, and use that as a galvanising factor. And that's a practice to do. And it, a, a very conscious mindset that you have to have. And I definitely carve out time where I, and actually sometimes I call it my hustle time, (laughs) just because it's the work that I associate with hustling. So if I want to be like pitching to be on a podcast or if I'm writing a sales page, I make that a different time and just be my biggest, bravest, most powerful self in that time Um, and kind of put on almost be a different person in that time so that it feels more disconnected and and things like that and not and then I don't have it hanging over me I love portioning out my time and thinking I only think about this in this hour and then I never think about it again that's a really good approach yeah I remember about a year ago feeling like I had to be braver with things and making being very conscious about kind of opening myself up to more opportunities and doing things that might make me feel a little bit uncomfortable and I think that is really important to do and again you have to figure that balance out for yourself because especially if you're an anxious person, things that other people might take in their stride, like doing a podcast interview Mm. might bring more anxiety for you. But I do think in order to sort of grow, we have to, we have to do those things. Mm. And and sometimes the only way that you can know whether something's good or bad is by doing it. Yes, you have to learn, don't you? Just learn through experience. Yeah, you kind of have to go, I'm trying to do that thing where if my first thing is, oh, I don't want to go to that actually then go (laughs) Um, because I've kind of learned the sort of things why I don't want to do things and that they're the wrong reasons to not do it and I can recognize the way I feel when the reason's wrong that I don't want to do it so I'm trying to say yes to more as well but yeah you can 
go to something and then be like, you know what, this was this was something I shouldn't have come to. But then you know for the future and that time will pass. And yeah, you never have to do it again. <laughs> so I'd love to talk to you a little bit about rest and stuff as well, because I think when I see you on Instagram stories, when you kind of pop up at the top of my feed, it's always sort of a little reminder for me <laughs> to... I think because your voice is so soothing, you should do like meditation <laughs> readings or something. Um, I'm not doing a yoga voice. I had a friend once who's like, my yoga teacher does a yoga voice. I'm really calm. And I'm always really conscious not to make sure I'm not doing a yoga voice. <laughs> so, so do you find it difficult to incorporate rest in what you're doing, given your background and everything? Or do you find it easy? And why do you think others find it difficult? I don't find it easy. I think that's why I write about this kind of stuff because um, I'm learning and finding my way with it. I think if you do what we do and you have your own business and you freelance and you work from home, it's even harder to do because I think the lines between when you're working, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. and when you're resting, um, they're much less clear because you can do a bit of work in the evening and I think it's easy to just sort of pop in and do something. Whereas obviously if you go to an office and you leave your work there it's easier to sort of switch off between the two but it's massively massively important rest it's when we digest and process everything we do not just for our bodies to rest but for our minds as well I think it's really important to allow ourselves to daydream and switch off and that's even harder to do when we've got our handheld devices and our iPhones Mm. because we've got everything right there and we can quickly check on our social networks or quickly check our emails so I think you have to be really clear with your what your boundaries are and there are some simple things you can do to make that time more sort of distinct if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and I also think when you're starting out a business it's easy to get carried away on adrenaline it's really exciting you're really sort of passionate about what you're doing and if things are going well you kind of you buzz off the back of that. So adrenaline can keep you going for quite a long time, but eventually you're going to crash and burn. So if you can have the consciousness to kind of think, okay, no, I need to stop and make sure I am regularly resting so you don't get to that point. And again, I've learned that through experience a bit. There have been times where I've overworked myself and then my body sort of kind of done a two fingers up at me <laughs> said you've done too much so what sort kind of things do you do to have a rest practice if you like what are your kind of habits that you try and maintain and set around them around that so I try to once I've collected my daughter from school I try to not go online or do anything from I guess that's about three o'clock to when she's in bed because I don't want to be distracted trying to do something while I'm also parenting Mm -hmm. her that doesn't always work because sometimes emergencies happen or you've got deadlines and Mm -hmm. and then I'm much clearer now about I do work some evenings but I'll make sure I have some evenings completely off so I don't go on any social networks don't even check in on Instagram I sometimes I'm better now but if you struggle with it, put your phone in a different room. <laughs> it's so easy to just pick it up and check it. Yeah. But if it's in a different space, you have to walk to get it. And then you'll notice how many times you're going to check it. And that can help you sort of mm. break that habit. I, I need quite a bit of sleep. So I try to be quite good with my sleep routine. 
I don't have my phone in my bedroom. I don't look at my phone an hour before bed. Well, that's not always true. <laughs> I was about to say, I was going to be really impressed then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and it, I don't pick up my phone straight away in the morning. I just, I'm, I'm awake normally a good hour before I pick up my phone because your body needs time again to wake up, which is why I don't, <laughs> don't I'm not one of these early morning Instagram posters. I just, I've tried to do it, but I just can't do it with the school. I can't do it with the school. Even if I've scheduled it and I've written my caption and it's all good to go. I I want to be on it. When I post on Instagram, I want to be on Instagram for a bit and chat to people. And I just can't do that in the morning. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I'm I'm an evening poster because then, well, my um, other half's a chef, so he's out all night anyway. So actually, it's it's not unhealthy for me to be on Instagram in the evenings because actually I'm with people, whereas otherwise I'd just be sat on my own. So that's always definitely been the right balance for me. And I think people agonise about when is the right time to post on Instagram. And I would say it's the time where you can be present. Yeah. And I I think this is why I've never posted on Instagram daily because I do like my own space. Uh, I enjoy being with other people, but if I do too much of that, I do find it quite tiring. So I do like an empty house and time to myself. So I I make sure I carve that out in my week. And, yeah, you can do things like yoga and meditation, but everybody has their activities that they do where they notice that they sort of slow down and they drop into their breath, and I would call these your slow moments. And uh, it can be gardening, it can be going for a walk. So you just need to sort of recognise what those things are for you and make sure you carve out time in your week for those, I guess that's what I would say. Mm. There's two things that are really jumping out of me. Which is one, how much of this is revolved around our phones and that relationship, and also how much of it is is listening to your body and being in tune with that. Yeah. So let's talk about that one first. That's such a massive skill, isn't it? Yeah. And that, and it always strikes me odd that people live their lives and aren't connected to their body at all because mm. it's a massive part of who you are. So I, I yeah, I think it's a fundamental life skill to be able to know what your body needs and our body's sending us messages all the time I'm hungry or this bit aches um, and then more subtle messages than that and you have to sort of open up the dialogue to be able to to hear what your body's telling you I guess yeah. I am one of those people who doesn't really do that well I, I'm not sure I mean some of the things you said sounds like you are quite in tune with yourself like yeah, maybe. with the choices that you're that you're making and you know you're saying about your instinct is to go to to that I and mean, that's a form of listening to your body isn't it I was gonna say I think I'm more brain led still and sometimes I get to points where I'm like I just suddenly take a deep breath and realize I've just been forgetting to breathe properly yeah um, yeah oh, that's good <laughs> I'm sort of a broken human yeah no I think most of us are, we do are thinking with our minds but our bodies have real inherent intelligence and it's tapping into that and I think through moving your body whether it's yoga or running or form of exercises that's a great way to get to know your body in in that way what would your kind of advice be to someone like say they're like going on their dog walk or whatever how can they start on that walk learning to tune in to stuff that's going on leave their phone at home so they've got no distractions just to let their brain daydream their mind daydream to think about their breath I, I think connection with your breath is really, really key. So, you know, most of us, when we stop, we have kind of a constant stream of thought. So if you can kind of let them settle down, I guess, and then become aware of your breath. And we want our breath to be sort of 
deep in our belly and nice and relaxed, inhaling the belly, expanding, exhaling the belly, coming back towards the spine. And if you can sort of connect to your breath, if your breath is calm, your mind follows suit, your mind calms down, they're, they're really connected. So I think that would be my starting point for somebody who hasn't done any yoga or meditation or, or anything and wants to kind of connect to their body. That would be my, my starting point. Yeah, I, I like that. I, and I like that moment where I remember to breathe. And because it's like, it's like your body punching you in the face. Like, <laughs> I'm still here. And it, it is amazing what effect that has. And I think about the shoulders and neck a lot as well. Maybe this is more of a me thing. I think I hold a lot of tension up there. But, I think a lot of people put yeah, tension in their shoulders, especially I, if you're sat at a computer. It's a kind of a prime prime area i've actually just published a blog post today about um relaxation and tension and how we become aware of tension in our body and how it's really important to know when we're relaxed and know when we're tensed and be able to sort of distinguish between the two and yeah i think a lot of us hold tension in our shoulders but sometimes just bringing your awareness to it makes you go oh why are my shoulders around my ears they really don't need to be yeah yeah definitely i feel that a lot and you just the minute even the awareness before you put them down the awareness is the thing that actually makes you feel better yeah releases it yeah and then about phones as well because I don't leave my phone at home when I go on a walk but I never look at it I guess if you're walking in the middle of nowhere you might want it for sort of photos safety purposes oh yes photos (laughs) yeah that's the way you go there I'm like Instagram (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course don't leave your phone at home (laughs) put it on silent and ignore it yeah but yes, I, I'm really interested about that kind of contradiction between living slow and then the fast world that lives in your phone of social media and blogging and news and all those sorts of things. How do you balance that? What are your thoughts around that? I think I'm probably still kind of getting that balance yeah, yeah. right. Um, I'm quite good at just tuning things out which helps do you feel pressure because your job is so about social media do you feel a lot of like pressure and guilt around that sometimes I have had in the past times where I think if I'm too slow I'm going to miss out on things Mm. because other people are quicker but this comes back to what we were saying earlier I have to just go at my own pace and I don't think the blogging word world has to be fast and I don't Mm. think you have to be fast on social networks there are some really lovely connected ways to be on social networks and I find Instagram one of those places and I've started um, a Facebook group called Seeking Slow which is a private group but anyone can join and that's a really nice way to use social networks Mm. to kind of deeply connect with people and that can be slow so I think you can again find your your balance with it I don't have too much stuff on my phone and I have all my notifications off which helps because I think there's that sort of myth about multitasking that you can switch from going on writing a blog post or hang on, I'm just going to go and chat on Instagram. Oh, hang on, an email's come in. I read something, I think it's Daniel Levitine, is it? Um, The Organised Mind, he says, he talks about the multitasking myth and how switching from one task to another actually is uses more energy. Yeah. You will get less done that way, it's less productive. And I, I, I guess I try to be as organised with, this is slightly going off, topic but I try to be really organized with my time I think sort of a myth about slow living is that you have to do things slowly I have busy days and I have stuff to do I have a big to-do list but if you can be really 
organized with your time and I can be really focused and attentional I can still do things slowly and calmly that makes sense yeah that makes so much sense and I'm the same actually I can feel myself like getting out of control when I'm not blocking off time to do tasks one at a time and you can fall into that trap where you're like oh I'll just do this while I wait for this page to load it takes three seconds for a page to load and it it's all about intentionality and chunking up your time and making that those chunks precious and if they're creative tasks they're so much more enjoyable that way I really like to if I find it relaxing to lose myself in a piece of writing or I guess if you're making something that's you want to kind of get lost in that creative flow and if you're getting distracted by Instagram or emails or whatever then you don't get to that same space I don't think yeah I've, I've noticed some things in my own behavior because I work from home alone I've become a real kind of stories lurker. I just kind of watch people on stories a lot. And when I've been doing some big writing projects recently, and one day I left my phone out of the room and I felt my hand reached for the place where it usually is, like just as a muscle memory. And then another day I was kind of writing something and I felt the urge to open my phone. And I was like, no, 15 more minutes and then you can. And then I carried on writing for another 40 because I got back into the flow and I didn't disrupt that brain space. I think it's so important to do that, so important. And I think you're much more productive with your time if you work that way. And I think if you want to have a slice of slow, you have to be intentional with your time. I think that's key. It doesn't mean you have to do things slowly and it doesn't mean you can't have busy days. And I often think people think, oh, you have to go and live on the side of a mountain and bake bread and that's slow living. And I don't fit into that. So I can't have my life can't be slow. And that's not what slow living is to me. That might be the dream for some. I mean, you live you live on the side of a mountain, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, pretty much literally. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of changing our perception of what slow can be and how it can work for you. One of the main motivating factors for me wanting to slow things down was my daughter I just she's six already she's growing up so quickly I really didn't want to miss out on any of those sort of wholehearted moments precious moments that come because I was too busy or too stressed and so I really wanted to change how I approached my time and not just my time but our time as a family so that we could really sort of sink into our time and and enjoy it because she's going to be a teenager before I know it and you don't get that time back again. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting to me because this is something that I've really struggled with internally is kind of what this definition of slow living is and how to show up. And I think although the the intention behind all the slow living blogs and stuff is always good, I think it it can make you as an individual feel like you're lacking so often. And that's certainly something that I felt. So it's really interesting to me hearing that for you, it's all about time and how it's spent and it's not about having the best artisan pottery and no. breaking the bread and starting I mean pottery is nice <laughs> yeah. I like a good ceramic who doesn't <laughs> but I don't bake bread I don't have time to bake bread mm. I'd like to have more time to bake bread and that's something I can work towards but at the minute we're doing up our house I'm mm. trying to grow my business I have a six-year-old I'm trying to live my life as slowly as I can and intentionally as I can. And what my life looks like will be very different to what somebody's life looks like if they have three children. Um, You have to work within the boundaries of what you have 
being stripped around your priorities I guess yes priorities is key purpose and priorities is the thing I always go back to because that changes and I don't go to social things because I know I need an evening to myself other people might feel like oh I should really go to that because they don't want to you know don't want to upset anybody but I'm I have to be quite strict with what my priorities are you know if Bailey was invited to two parties in a weekend I wouldn't take her to both some, some people might think that's me like it or not baby. <laughs> and then we can have a slow family day so mm. you it's kind of realizing I can't do everything so what is most important to me how can I make that work in a way that works for us as a family yeah I, I think actually that's probably a really important lesson for her because the world that she's going to grow up in is going to be mental in terms of like instant gratification and having it all I feel for the generations coming up behind us that they're going to have the pressures that we had are going to be nothing compared to them and actually setting it out now that you have to prioritize what you want because you you can't have it all and and be sane at the same time is gonna I think that's really interesting yeah I think I mean often that people ask that question can women have it all specifically don't they they don't ask it about men but I think it's a pretty it's a pretty unhelpful question to ask really because (laughs) the short answer is no so how do you balance motherhood and what fills you up and living your life there is a way to balance it all but what what works for me again won't be the same for what works for somebody else Mm. yeah and it comes back again to those ideas of success like what is it all it's going to be completely different from person to person so I think that's a bit of a myth and 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 also the feeling that we have to have everything and go to everything yeah it's, it's pervading it's so pervading and even though I'm kind of very conscious about the fact that I don't want to be overly consuming and I I'm aspiring towards being slower and the priorities and stuff like that that kind of pervading thing of more 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 I've applied to slow living I'm like I need to be doing more slow living yeah <laughs> and it, it's a really and being conscious of that that more 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 and actually think really tapping into why do I want this and yes where is this coming from and yes all those things yeah why why am I being made to do am I just being made to feel that I should again it's that mm. should isn't it should have some slow living or yeah I remember listening to Erin Lochner I think it is she wrote the book Chasing Slow and her she said that whenever they have a dinner party they always get takeaway pizza because she doesn't want to spend her time in the kitchen slaving over something that the most important thing is that she's with the people and having that engagement and that was a real turning point for me that it's not actually about cooking the perfect meal and and it all being right it's about I mean that would be lovely for some people because they would perhaps enjoy that process but if you're not going to then what's the what's the point yeah just to say hey I cooked this food it's you know Mm, so that's really interesting I love that like priorities and purpose I think I need to sit and work out what my priorities actually are. And maybe to people listening, and I think if you're quite new to your business, it's easy for your priorities to all be about your business, and mine certainly have been. And it's something that I've spoken about before, is that I will just work and then have a sandwich at like nine (laughs) o'clock. And I'm quite a foodie person, but I've found that a really difficult thing to prioritise. So I think it's a, a shift in mindset and yeah what what is the priority and with this finite time what what do I want to be doing with it yeah 
So, one last question to finish up with, which is, given the chat we've had, quite ironic because our whole talk has been about this, but if you've got a quick sum up for how do you grow a soul in your work and life? Well, for me, it's about following the things that light me up and to take my time and not be in a hurry. And I try to, I guess, always approach life with sort of curiosity and a, an open heart, I guess. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I so agree with just like follow the thing that is, follow your curiosity, the thing that's really igniting you, follow that because that's where the magic is. Yeah, I, I think if you do that, you can't, you can't go far wrong. So where can people find you? Where's the best place to connect with you? And oh, what's your course about as well? Because um, I might have well, to so, take this. <laughs> <laughs> so my course is called Power of Slow and it's all about how to craft slow living and wellbeing rituals um, for yourself and uh, make them work in your week in a way that works for you. So we'll look at things like yoga and breath work, but also just simple things like the things that you already do. Uh, like maybe making a cup of tea and how you can make that into like a slow moment Mm. Um, so you can scatter them throughout your day you know you don't need I think some people go oh I haven't got an hour and a half to go and do a yoga class well if you've Mm. got uh, 10 minutes here and 15 minutes here and 10 minutes here if you scatter little moments throughout your day I think it can have a really big impact on slowing the pace of your life down so um yeah that's what the course will be about I think, I think that really resonates with people as well because I am that person oh I, I want to do it but um, I should do an hour and I can't yeah. uh, and well, that's, that's then a bit if you've not done a lot of stuff that's then a bit maybe unachievable mm. so again it's about making it work in a way that works for you isn't it so yeah so that will be out after the summer holidays now and then before that I'm doing like a free pdf guide that people will be able to get by going to my website and signing up to receive it and to my newsletter that's about talking about technology that we've been talking about and um, some things that you can do to sort of find a bit more balance with that in your life as well and then they can find me on Instagram at Jeffrey and Grace. And yeah, and then they're welcome. Anyone's welcome to come and join that Facebook group I was talking about, which is Seeking Slow. I think it's to find it. I think it's forward slash Seeking Slow Living is the address, um, you know, Facebook.com, then that. And then, yeah, you just have to ask to join, but then I can approve you. And that's, I'm just sharing little tips and things on there and some video content. And it's a really nice community that's growing um and it's a place safe space for people to ask questions and say oh hey i'm struggling with this aspect of slow living so people can kind of share their advice and what's working for them yeah i think that's me yeah and and follow melanie um because she shares her house renovations on stories and i am overly invested in this this house renovation can you come and help Uh, well thank you so much Melanie for joining me this was such a good chat and I feel so zen now um, and I'm so excited for the rest of my day now (laughs) thanks so much you're welcome lovely to talk to you bye bye so there it is all the links we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. If you have any thoughts around the mentality of hustle or you, like me, have had some epiphanies about your priorities while you've been listening, do let me and Melanie know on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Simple and Season and she is at Jeffrey and Grace. Or you can use the hashtag, hashtag Grey with Soul podcast. 
As always, if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation, please send them the link to the episode. And if you are listening alone, share it via the hashtag to meet other listeners. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.